Earn, Spend, Live presents Eavesdropping. Real women, real talk. Hey, eavesdroppers. Today we are talking to Robin Crane. She is the host of TV show The Financial G-Spot and radio show Let's Talk Money, as well as a four-time best-selling author. Most recently, she wrote Make More Money, Help More People, which just came out in March. Four-time number one best-selling oh, author. My bad. Pacific. Basically, <laughs> she is all kinds of baller. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be here. You guys seem so fun. We're going to have a blast. <laughs> Are you drinking or drinking? Yeah, I'm so drinking, but it's water, but I'm getting so hydrated right now so I can kill it. <laughs> water is definitely the smart podcast drink. <laughs> Wine is dehydrating and not excellent for your voice. It's okay. It kind of just rubs off on me. So you ladies get more drunk and I'll be wasted by the time we're done with this. Sounds beautiful. Good. We can do that. We'll drink all of the calories for you. <laughs> so we'll get to your book in a minute. We're very excited. But first, rumor has it that you used to be a singer-songwriter who had major anxiety about finances. How did you overcome your fears about money? Okay, cat's out of the bag. Um, <laughs> yes, this is all true. Good research. Yes. Rumor. Um, I was, the rumor is true. I was a singer-songwriter. Um, yeah, I used to get very anxious. I remember there were times, I remember this one specific time when I went to dinner with friends from high school who I hadn't seen in like 10 years, and I was so anxious about the check coming along and like we'd have to split the check and I was freaking out and I was like ordering the salad just in case we actually paid for what we ordered and then I'm watching everybody get a margarita get appetizers I'm like no I don't want to have that because I didn't want to have to pay for it and the whole time I'm like freaking out and then of course the bill comes at the end and I didn't even enjoy myself because I was so anxious about it and then you know we split the bill and it was like 40 bucks probably twice as much I would have liked as much as I would have liked to have paid but I had this revelation that it was ridiculous for me to not have a good time and be so anxious about money over 20 bucks. So um, that was one thing that was, I mean, little things like that really impacted me where I was embarrassed in my head about it. Um, and I got, you know, fights with boyfriends and things like that because it wasn't always even. And um, so one of the things I did, I actually started teaching money parenting, which is how to raise financially responsible kids by leading by example. So I was teaching that when I was a financial advisor and I had started doing money coaching. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't exactly be congruent with telling them to be a good example for their kids. When I I was dating a guy who had a two year old and I felt like I was all anxious about money. So I took baby steps. Like I covered the right side of the menu, didn't allow myself to look at the price. And then um, I started to realize the more abundance driven I was and less scarcity minded I was and the more I invested in my business, I actually started making money. So that's how I got over it by trial and error, by taking risks that I was really scared to take and uh, big investments and then getting results from it that I learned that it was better to be abundant than in total scarcity. It's definitely more fun. That's for sure. It is. It was not fun being anxious. Yeah. Counting the pennies is not a way to live. No, it's really not. But I definitely feel you. Just the other night, I was really stressed. My boyfriend just quit his job to go back to school, and we were about to go out for dinner, and I was so stressed. But, like, the whole check was probably going to end up being $40. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I just shut it down. We went out. It was great. I had a margarita. That helped. That helps. But it's definitely not worth it to live in the scarcity. 
No, it's not. And there, I actually, in my first book, Mind Over Money Management, I talk about these money types. And the one that I was um, really, really fallen into was called Cheap Chip. And that's that's very, very characteristic of Cheap Chip. Doesn't like to spend money, very anxious about it, doesn't take risk, doesn't make, make uh, decisions quickly. You know, it's very much like into research to get the best deal. And <laughs> there's a lot of great things about Cheap Chip because he'll save and, you know, doesn't spend money on things he doesn't value. But I was so far on the spectrum of Cheap Chip that I was just not making money and I was struggling and I was unhappy. I was really unhappy. So you also have a passion for helping women advance in their careers and inevitably, you know, make more money. Um, so how did you discover that passion? It actually came from the money coaching that I was doing as a financial advisor. So I took kind of a different path. So most financial advisors, really what they're taught in this industry is to help people invest the money that they do have. But really, there's very little time spent and education spent on teaching them how to shift their habits and beliefs and behaviors around money. So what I found actually, this this happened because I invested in a coach who was amazing his name's Jeffrey Slater. He's still my coach today. This is eight years later. But I took a huge risk investing in him when I was making $2,000 a month and in the Silicon Valley in California, barely paying my bills, started to go into debt. And then I, I invested to work with him. And um, what I realized, I, I mean, I started tracking my money. That was helpful. Um, and I started uh, learning to sell in a way where I can really help transform lives. So I understood finally by asking the right questions in the sales process what people's real problems were. And once I understood their real problems, like they were fighting about money with their spouse or they felt like they wanted to be a good example for their kids and they weren't and they were in debt even though they were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and kept going into debt and all that and there was all this anxiety around money. So I learned that and then I learned how to like I just wanted to solve the real problem. Like I wanted to actually turn that around. So I started money coaching. I started a, a program called Kim Jim, which is know your money to grow your money. And then when I realized I was able to help them spend less because they got clear about their money and they made better choices and I helped them save more. And because I was a financial advisor, I helped them actually invest and do a good job with that. But what I found is there's only so much you can do by saving money. Like as, as much as you save, if you only make three grand a month and you can save 500 or even a thousand, if you're some like magician out there, then <laughs> you still only have a thousand dollars to put towards your financial future. But if you can take that three grand and double it and triple it, quadruple it and get to $12,000 a month, you got plenty of money to save. So I got into business coaching because I realized it was such a bigger transformation if I can help people make more money. So I started to help people make more money and it was just so rewarding because they could really change their lives. And then by having the skills from before to help them keep it as well was really valuable too so that they didn't just make more money and blow it. Yeah, sign me up for that 12 grand a month. That sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. perfect. Exactly. <laughs> just gotta, you know. My dream salary. Well, that'll grow too. <laughs> so, I mean, you said you were making 2000 a month in Silicon Valley. Is that even enough to cover your rent? Well, I was I was pretty good at mooching. Um, I was living in this cottage behind my cousin's house in San Carlos, California. She was charging me about half of what rent really was. And then I was such a cheap chip that I seriously did not spend money. So actually, I probably would have been fine as far as paying bills goes, except uh, the problem was I actually wanted to grow my business. And so 
because of that, and I didn't know how, and I didn't know what to do, and I really, I was driven. I knew that if someone could just show me what to do, then I could actually do it, and I knew I would follow the coaching. So I, you know, I hired this coach and that coach. I tried to hire cheap coaches at first, but that didn't work because they didn't really know how to help me. Um, I did put a lot of money in seminars. I, I dropped like $10,000 in, in a Tony Robbins seminar, which was a huge risk, and kind of hoping that would help me. And it helped me a lot in my life, but it didn't really help me make money. And so I got so far in debt, ladies, it was hilarious. Now it's hilarious. But I mean, I got to a point where I was 47. I know the exact number because I was tracking my money. I was $47,812 in debt. And then I started to finally turn it around. But that was because I had to invest in myself. And it was, I got to say, this is, I, I, I talk about this in my book. I say, you know, sometimes debt is the only way to get out of debt because if it's going to give you a skill to make more money, then, you know, the biggest cost to your business is not making money. And I typically work with business owners, but I mean, this applies to to career-driven women who, you know, want to make more money in their career as well. I mean, if you're not getting the promotion, if you're not making more money, then that's what costs you a lot in your life because then you got to go into your savings or you got to get on the credit card to do what you want to do. So I'm glad you mentioned your book. Uh, Tell us about it. Tell us everything about it and what inspired you to write it. Please somehow recite all of the pages to us. I was going to say for the podcast. I was going to be like, okay, on page one. Well, actually, starts before page one because the intro is like forty pages long. No, <laughs> it's it's a really great read. I'm very proud of it. I really am. It's like the. I mean, it really is one of the 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 things that I've created that I'm most proud of. And mostly it's because I am bragging like crazy about my clients' success. <laughs> like not about myself, but I really, I've been fortunate to have women come into my program who really are dedicated, really are committed and have amazing stories to share. For example, a woman named Lisa who actually was a financial advisor when I met her. She was making negative $300 in her business and even at the time of the book, I, I didn't even talk about the results as big because they've been even bigger since because it's so exponential. But now in the last eight and a half months, she's made 70 grand in her business. 70 grand. Wow. Yeah. And so her chapter is called Doing Whatever It Takes because she was so willing to do whatever it would take. And she got incredible results. And I mean, this is just one out of there's probably a good 10 stories in there of just transformation. Another one I start with actually Ginny in the intro. She was... Um, she had almost, she had really considered closing her business last year. It was like the middle of last year. And she had done pretty well in 2015. She's a personal training studio. She had made like 379000 that year, which may sound like a lot. But when you have overhead and you have employees and you have a gym, like an entire setup and all this equipment, it's not that much. And then she got to a point where she was making $10,000 a month, couldn't even pay her employees. So she took out a $40,000 loan then ended up, before she even met me, then she dropped money to hire me. And then um, that was in October. By December, she had made about $48,000 that month. And, and January pulled out $93,807. Wow. So it's like story after story like that of these empowering women who have absolutely changed not just their lives, but other, other people's lives, their clients' lives, because they stepped up, they took they took risk. They made it a priority to get their business, you know, off the ground if they were just starting or completely successful if they've been in business a long time for the sake of helping people, not just for their own benefit. 
So who needs to read this book? Who would benefit the most? Well, it really is intended for female entrepreneurs, but I will say, I mean, I've had men read it and still love it and get a lot out of it. And the thing is, it's just an inspirational book. I mean, yes, it gives specific um, specific tangible takeaways of what to do if you want to start a business or if you have a business. But it's, you know, if you're looking at this for career women or men, but if you're looking at this for people in, in a career, it'll still give you this inspiration, this motivation to want to ask for more money to get paid for what you're worth, to start to make the connection between the fact that you should get paid for the value you provide, not the time that you spend. And the more value you can provide, whether it's at a job or whether it's in a business, the more money that you should make. And to demand that and expect that, especially women who typically undervalue themselves. And I think it really will, you know, inspire you to ask for more money, inspire you to even to, to step up and give more value. I, I mean, I've talked to women before who had a job and they were like, how do I get a promotion? I'm like, well, one thing you could do is ask them what has to happen for me to get promoted and then go do it, you know, <laughs> really find out the rules and make it happen because a lot of women out there just aren't willing to ask. And it's scary. It's really, really scary, but I think it will inspire um, people as well, even if they're they're in a job. But it is intended for women entrepreneurs, service-based women entrepreneurs, first and foremost. That's fantastic. I mean, you gave me the super short version of the stories in the book, and I'm already inspired as hell. <laughs> so I can only imagine reading the whole thing. So what would you say to someone who thinks they've read it all? Entrepreneurship books are a dime a dozen. What really sets yours apart? Good question. Um, I'm very real with people. Like, I don't BS around. I don't know if you've heard of Mel Robbins. Have you guys heard of Mel Robbins? Yeah. Okay. She's awesome. Like, she's so amazing. She has a TED Talk out there um, called, what is it called? Stop Screwing Yourself. And her her new book, not that I'm paid to promote it or anything, but I love her. um, It's called The Five Second Rule. And she actually wrote my, I mean, her TED Talk has like 10 million views. I mean, she's amazing. She's like the most... Uh, booked female speaker in in the, in the United States. Like she's definitely awesome. So anyway, she she wrote my forward. You know, she's a friend of mine, and she's oh, just been amazing. amazing. She, she, yeah, she's phenomenal, and she really, literally, this is a good story too. I'll just tell you this. Talk about asking for what you want. So, not to tell everyone to go bug Mel Robbins, but Mel Robbins, at, I saw her speak somewhere, and then. Um, I didn't know her or anything. I didn't even introduce myself. Then I looked her up and I found her TED Talk, which was amazing. And then at the end of the TED Talk, she says, if I can do anything to help you, I mean anything, <laughs> just ask. And she, she talks about this five-second rule, how you have five seconds. Like, if you have an impulse to go do it. And so it was like five, four, three, two, one. Like, at the time, I was... I was thinking I was going to write a book about money parenting, um, and I wanted to interview people about it. And so I sent her a message, and I asked if I could interview her. And she totally got back to me and said, absolutely. I mean, she didn't know me from Adam, and she really was amazing. And so that's how I got to know her, and she actually recommended her media team to me and stuff at the time. But oh, anyway. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Why did I bring it up? Um, the reason I bring it up is because one of the things <laughs> – one of the things that she said, I'll take it out of her mouth, is that, you know, she's read a lot of books and a lot of it's like, you know, BS or they like, they don't walk you through exactly what to do or they have bullshit stories or it's like they're not giving it all away. And I feel like, you know, the one that's paraphrased, by the way, because I don't know exactly what she said. I only read it once every night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I only read it like once a week, but oh, it does make me happy. But she said really nice things about it. And it's because 
I'm not giving fluff. I'm giving you the real deal. It's also to not just give you, like tell you what to do. The first half of the book is totally geared towards really shifting your mindset so that you are ready to go do it and you go take action. So the stories themselves are phenomenal just to inspire you. But then also, you know, the second half of the book especially is really focused on telling you exactly what to do. And I give my best stuff away. I have something called the FCC sales system, which is like a four-step system, how to, you know, move someone to action in a really, like, great way that's transformational and provides a ton of value. And I tell you exactly how to do that. And I even give you, like, a way to get all these bonuses for free so that you can have all these templates. Like, I just want people to read it. And to go take action and to get incredible results because this stuff works. I mean, I've tested on the women that I work with who work with me in my Female Empowered Moneymakers Mentorship Program, my FEM program. And I really believe that if people, if you actually take this, even if you have a job and you want to do a side hustle, but if you actually take this and apply it, you absolutely can get results. And if nothing else, you're going to feel better about what you charge or what you ask for when it comes to money. And you can't argue with taking ten thousand a month and turning it to ninety, right? I know. I mean, she. <laughs> she what I call me out. Like this stuff scares me. I'm like, seriously, dude. Like, I didn't. I didn't expect you to do that. Like, you're you're exceeding <laughs> even my expectations. And then Lisa, who like, she's like, I never thought I would make fifteen thousand in a month. Like, I, I never made fifty thousand in a year. Now I've already made seventy thousand or sixty thousand. I think in the last six months. Like, it's just, it's really crazy. So it it excites me. They exceed my expectations all the time, but I will say the distinction is that it's always the women who show up and take action, who are willing to step outside their comfort zone, which is something I talk about in the book. I call it being stretchy, how you need to stretch. (laughs) So the more stretchy you are, the, the better your life will be. It's just that, you know, it's always a little bit scary, but everything you want that you don't already have lies outside your comfort zone. Otherwise, you'd already have it. Like, that's a fact. So... If you just take that action, do whatever it takes, you are committed. Like that's what I'm noticing with the ladies in my group who actually, um, you know, do the work and are coachable. It's, they can do anything. They can just go do anything. It's phenomenal. So speaking out of getting out of comfort zones and being stretchy, um, where did you get the name for your TV show, The Financial G-Spot? We're dying to know. Oh gosh. That's funny. <laughs> um, you know, I had that name a while back, I, I think what happened was I'm trying to remember because it was back when I was doing money coaching and I won't even remember exactly what it stands for, but I had this idea of the financial G spot and G spot stood for like, um, growth equals saving potential over time. That's what it was. Growth equals saving, savings potential over time. Cause what I found was that when I was doing money coaching and I have something called your money mask, which is how much you make minus how much you spend equals how much you keep. It's basically a way to track your cash flow. And what I found was that if they kept more every single month, right, which was their, what I called their saving pot- savings potential, then they'd be able to put that towards their goals. So let's say it was, you know, retirement, or let's say it was, um, uh, kids, you know, college and stuff, but I don't know, traveling around the world, really anything, um, that, that savings potential over time would allow them to have the life that they wanted. So I felt like that was the spot, like that was the financial G spot, like where it was, like that was where it was at. Um, and I, I thought I liked the, you know, play on words. And, and then when I, um, that turned that into a TV show, I was actually, um, doing the TV show with Grant Cardone. Are you guys familiar with him? No, that one I don't know. 
Okay, yeah, he's a big kind of sales guru. Very, he, he's he's quite oh, okay. huge. I mean, he has hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, he's very very famous. He's like been on stage with Tony Robbins and huge huge people. I'm sure he knows Richard Branson. I mean, he's pretty big. I'm a little bit of a TED Talk nerd, but once you get outside of that and into like sales, I kind of lose it a little bit. That's okay. That's okay. He's 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 great. But anyway, you can look him up. Yeah, you can look him up. But he has um, he has his own network, like online TV show, and so we actually um, both I and my husband were asked to be on that TV show. This was I don't know a couple years ago, and I remember talking to him in the kitchen with his COO, and then said, "What ideas do you have for the name of the TV show?" And um, my husband, I think, remembered that I had the financial G spot, and I think he mentioned it, and he said, "Well, she was going to write a book called The Financial G Spot." And they're like, we love it. We love it. So um, then I was like, all right, here I go. And the, the funniest thing is if you, if you, I think it's, if you search financial G-spot, you'll probably see the trailer. The funniest thing is the, the little trailer for it because I'm like, I'm like, then you can have a money orgasm. Multiple. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Even multiple money orgasms. Like, it's really yes. like, really ridiculous, but I think it's hilarious. And now, I mean, the way I saw it when I started doing, uh, you know, more business coaching and stuff is I think the you know, the financial G-spot is really wherever you need to focus, like, to put your attention um, in that area so that you get what you want, the lifestyle you want. And it's total ecstasy. And that's that's what you should have, total ecstasy. Whether sexually or financially or in your business, you deserve it. You deserve it. So that's the financial. I think the best part of that that. is how sticky it is. Like it won't matter. Yeah, right. What do you think sticky for? No matter how many like books or finance articles I'll read, I'll think about it and be like, "Oh yeah, financial G spot," and like that will somehow float above the rest. (laughs) That will stick with you. Yes. Okay, girl. Like the idea is sticky. It's like, but yeah, like that's it's totally something like we weirder. read it once and we were like, yeah, Robin Crane, financial G spot. Like it's stuck, which I love. It's so good. Thank you. Yeah. It was some very good copywriting. So <laughs> now we have a few like fun questions for like, you. Like that wasn't fun? Awesome. This is going to be <laughs> That was very fun. The financial G spot sounds very fun. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Just kidding. Um, but a little less serious questions. All right, go for it. Let's do it. What was your very first job, Robin? Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. So um, I will say, yeah, okay, very first job was, I'm pretty sure this is the first, was a camp counselor, camp counselor. Ah. I was a camp counselor. I was mentioning this actually um, just today. I was talking on a different podcast, but I'll I'll say it again. But um, I was a camp counselor, and I made like $250 for, you know, a good chunk of the summer. And working for like eight weeks. Yeah, actually it was less, but still it was not enough money. And that's kind of what got me on this path of like wanting to get paid for the value because I'd see these other counselors who were like, they'd been there longer. So they had more experience. And so they got probably paid $300 instead of 250. (laughs) And I was like, I am a much better counselor than these guys who are over there and who are actually like in the back smoking pot, believe it or not at night, not with the kiddos, but like still, um, hiding, you know, and smoking pot. And I was like, you know, I should be getting paid more. And then the next year I was asked if I wanted to get certified as a, as a lifeguard and swimming instructor. And then they would pay me like seven fifty, And I was like, score, dude, that's more value. And I can teach kids how to swim. So that was super awesome. And then, um, but still not very much money. 
And so when I came back uh, after camp, like for the rest of the summer and wanted to get a job, I considered going to a swim club, which I would make like $12 an hour, or I could go to, uh, like, I don't know, I would, I, I thought about, well, I could just, you know, go to people's homes and I could just charge like $8 a half hour and that would be 16 bucks and I'd beat it, you know? Yeah. So that was my entrepreneurial side. And it was more because I didn't want to give it up to the man because I saw that they were like charging $25 a half hour or $30 a half hour or whatever. So that's how I started and even started my own business and worked my way up. And my mom was my pimp because she was a, she was a pre-kindergarten teacher. So everyone who went through her class was like four years old, right? And it was prime oh, time yeah. to learn to swim. So she would just toss me clients. And I got so busy that I started to do the business out of their backyard, my parents' backyard. And I was like 16, 17, 18, all the way to like 24. And I'd pull like $10,000 out of the summer for working six weeks because I was then charging like $25 a half hour. And I, I was like, damn, I'm the bomb. I thought I was like the richest kid in town. I probably was. Um, For a teenager, that's like hot shit. (laughs) It was pretty awesome. So that was, I mean, that my job turned into my first business. And um, it was not because I was greedy about money. It was really because I I just wanted to get paid for the value. And um, that was, and I love teaching the kids to swim. They were, first it was Robin's Dolphins. And it was just, it was really cute. And they were amazing. And it was a blast. So I loved that. And then I went and took that money and traveled around the world for a year. So I was pretty stoked about it. <laughs> so, it was a good trade. Yeah. It was cool. How old were you? Well, I mean, I started, I think my first lessons when I was charging like $8 was, was probably like 16, maybe 17, 17, 18. And then I kept doing it even when I had moved to Philadelphia to pursue my music career. And I was actually bartending when I was doing music. And uh, I remember asking, I was probably... Bartending, I was probably, probably 25, let's see, yeah, I must have been, because I already traveled around the world, I was probably 25 or 26, and I was, you know, just getting by as a singer-songwriter, mostly because I was bartending and being cheap again, Um, I remember (laughs) saying to my boss, I said, you know, can I just, like, I'm planning on leaving just for a couple months during the summer, but I'll come back in the fall, because I, I got a, you know, swimming business I can do back home. And he said, okay, no problem. And then the next day he fired me. <laughs> and I was oh, like, no. apparently he's like, you're great. But you know, when people, people tell me they're leaving, they just start stealing from the bar, like giving away drinks and all that. And I was like, I wouldn't do that. But he fired oh, me. Wow. That sucks. But at and least you have like 10k for the summer to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it was all good. So describe your ideal day. If you had nothing you just like had to do, what would you be doing? Ooh, that's that's a tricky question because I I know this is super geeky, but I just had um, the last two weekends I had seminars and I actually have another one this coming up weekend, which is really insane because I will tell you a secret that I that I am early to tell you, but I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but I'm 10 weeks pregnant. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So it's very, it's very early, but, um, what's funny is that I was, you know, I taught a three day seminar last weekend and I just taught another two day seminar this weekend in Las Vegas. And both times I was like, I want you to know this is my perfect day because I love training. I love doing seminars. I love it when I get people in the room and completely transform their lives. So when, when it comes to work, I mean that, that it really just, completely fulfills me and I love it. It's, it's tiring as hell and really exhausting, but it also like if, if I keep moving and I keep teaching, like I could probably do it for 10 days straight and be fine. So that's, that's definitely one of my perfect days. Um, and then I would say, 
you know, another perfect day would probably be just as far as not working at all would be, you know, maybe me and my husband and my daughter um, on a boat, maybe with my family and you know, extended family. I, I like spending time with family and friends and just I'm not big on, on the water per se, but I like doing fun activities. Like I saw that I had just posted a year ago it was one of my memories that came up that we went wakeboarding a year ago with, I think it's called wake surfing, I think it's called. And it was like the first time we did it. And I reposted it saying, honey, we should do this again. Like it was super fun just to be on the water and it's hot outside and just get to be on this little surfboard, wakeboarding or whatever. Like that was super amazing. Like great, great days like that. So, um, I like doing that stuff and, um, going and traveling. I was in Mexico recently with some of my femmes. That was amazing. So I like having a good time, but, um, I also do love, love teaching and training. So we have a controversial question for you on this next one. Ooh, hit me up. You're going to be stunned. Oh, my God. Um, does. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> yes, I've now hyped this too much. Does work-life balance actually exist? No. That's easy. No yes, way. right answer. No, there's no work-life balance. Like, that's that's a myth. It's not about balance, though. I think that's not what we really actually want. I think what we really want is what we really want are choices. And when you have choices, you don't need work-life balance. It's about choices. Like, I don't need to balance my life and my work when I have, like, the best time ever teaching a three-day seminar. Like, what what do I need to balance? You know what I mean? Like, it's perfect. It's amazing. But, I mean, I'm not going to do that every single day and never spend time with my family. So it's about choices and what's beautiful about you know, with where I am and the success that I've been lucky enough to have and blessed to have is that I'm completely building my business around the life that I want and I get to choose. So it's about choices. And when you make enough money and help enough people, you have as many choices as you want. And I'm now I'm planning my seminars around my baby and I'm going to, you know, I have my Fem six is starting in, in August and my Fem seven is starting in October. And then I don't have to have a seminar until March, you know, and I'm still fulfilling on my promises because that's, I get to do that. So I got the choice. So, and then I'll have my baby in January. So it's just, I, I really think it's more about choices than anything else. And you don't have to strive for balance, but what, what really I think is most important, especially for women who forget to take care of themselves is to take time for yourself and have some self care Actually, I'll give you guys, can I tell you another story? Are we okay on time? I have no idea how much yeah, time we have. Yeah, if you're okay on time, we're okay on time. Yeah, okay. All the time so, the so, so I'm going to reveal it all here. So um, basically, this is why I'm, I'm so open about, you know, the baby and the pregnancy and all that because my husband and I were trying to get pregnant for four and a half years. And so it was quite a, I wouldn't even say struggle. It was just a That's challenge a journey. that happened. And then we learned about unprotected sex and it worked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just had to say that. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, so we, uh, we were trying for a long time and actually two years ago we tried in vitro IVF and it didn't work and it seemed kind of sad, you know, but I actually, it was kind of awesome because then I went to Peru with my coach and a group of people and had an amazing time. So it all seemed meant to be. And then it took us another two years before we were even kind of ready and able to try again with IVF. And, um, basically like, you know, so we went through the process again. And, and, and by the way, like, I feel so grateful that I didn't get pregnant two years ago because my femme mentorship, which is what I live for right now, I actually launched that in February, 2016. So had I been pregnant, like I would have, and had a baby, like it just would never have happened. And I feel like 
what exists today, this book and everything, the life that I have and the life, the lives that these ladies have would not exist. And I mean, I can start crying about that like a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so crying. like that's amazing. Yes. That's so, oh, that's so good. I just love the way things work out sometimes. Totally. Totally worked out. Amazing. So, um, anyway, so then, you know, then we went through IVF, uh, just a few months ago and then, you know, it, it worked and well, actually let me backtrack. Cause this is what I was going to tell you. It was crazy. So we, it was literally the day, the day before I was having an IVF retrieval. So for those of you who don't speak IVF talk, it's when they, they retrieve the eggs, which you need in order to right. put together with the sperm to make a baby. So um, it was the day before, and I, I was like running around because I was working so hard. I was like nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. I literally got off the phone with my assistant. And then I was even saying, like, I'm not giving myself enough credit. Like, it's been crazy. Like, I haven't stopped. And I walked down the stairs. I'm holding my phone, looking at my phone. God forbid I stopped looking at my phone for two seconds (laughs) and walked down the stairs. And I was wearing socks, and I slipped all the way down the stairs, and I hit my head on the back of the stairs. Um, And we have wooden stairs. And my No! Yeah, it was crazy. My husband was on a, a Skype call, and he hears me go, ah! you know, whatever. And he's like, I got to go. And he comes over. This is for those of you who don't like gory details, earmuffs, earmuffs. Um, but I, I got, I was at the bottom of the stairs. I was shaking. I, I didn't pass out or anything. And he says, put your hands behind your head. Like, you know, like a cop would say, right. But on, on the part that I hit and it was bleeding and he <sighs> had me, it just put my hands behind my head. Um, the back of my head, which is where I hit it, and just apply pressure. And I, I did it as hard as I could, but I, I kind of, this is the gory part, I like leaned over a little bit and just blood is just dripping down on the, on the, uh, on the floor. And I was about to just burst into tears because I was like, all I could think about was that tomorrow is our IVF retrieval. We've been working so hard towards this. Finally, we had enough eggs. Finally, it was all working out perfectly. And uh, and there I go hitting my head. They're going to tell me I can't do it because they don't want to risk a concussion or whatever. And I just made up this story. And I I told Trevor and I said, my husband, I said, I just want to, like, I don't care about my head. I just want to make sure that we have the retrieval. And he said, just, he's so great about, like, not freaking out about things. And he's so amazing and supportive. And he's like, he's like, he's like, you're going to be fine. Like, we have no idea. Like, it's perfect. It's okay. Like, just, let's just take care of this, you know? And so I just keep applying pressure. He walks me over to the couch and then, you know, takes care of me. And actually for, for hours, we actually didn't even go to the emergency room till later. Like he's, he, we call him Dr. Daddy in our family because I do have a <laughs> 10 year old stepdaughter and, you know, she, he's always kind of doctoring her and everything. So, um, we, you know, we just were there for a while. Eventually we did go to, uh, go to get, go to the hospital and emergency care. And I did get stitches and I, I, you know, but at the time I, I texted my nurse and then called her and I said, please, please tell, like, I just, because I couldn't not tell her, you know, and I said, I just hit my head, but I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. You know, just bleeding out my head. No worries. And and thank God she did say, you know, it's, I mean, it's probably fine because head injuries do bleed a lot. And so we went to emergency care. I got stitches and staples and I never passed out and they said it was no big deal. And so, um, the next day I went and did my retrieval and got, you know, got eggs and that ended up turning into a baby. So it was just, um, so insane. And the reason I bring it up as far as segueing back to self-care is that I, even after that happened, 
that's what's so amazing about the community I have now. And I'm so grateful is that even after that happened, everything worked out. So it kind of just resumed like my working hard and going crazy and doing everything, even after stitches and still going through IVF and whatever. And two weeks later, some couple of the ladies in my program, uh, they came, they were volunteering at one of my events and it was like an intervention. <laughs> they pulled me aside and they were like, Robin, we need to talk about your self care. And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Let's do it. Yeah. I totally want to do self care. Yeah. I'm going to kill it. Like I'm going to start going to the gym three times a week. I'm going to meditate every day. I'm going to ex- you know, take walks. And I was like all hardcore, like I sometimes do. And, uh, my friend Denise, she said, no, Robin, pick one thing. And so I said, okay, I need to meditate. And um, I committed to, I have something that I teach in my mentorship program about how if you really want to do something, we often don't do it because it's painful to do, like sales calls or ask for money or whatever it is. And so if you really want to commit to it, you have to come up with something else, that some consequence that's more painful than doing whatever it is you don't want to do. And so I've taught them that that they need, there needs to be a consequence and they know I'm a big cheap chip and I don't like to spend money on things I don't value. And so they said, they like put them, you know, had me drink my own medicine and they said, okay, Robin, so how, 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 what are you going to commit to? How many times are you going to meditate? And I said, well, just to make sure I win, cause I want to win. Like I'll say three, <laughs> times, three times a week for 20 minutes each minimum, you know? Yeah. And they said, okay, great. And if you don't do that, you have to pay each of us $5,000. Whoa. Yikes. I know. And I was at first, I was going to say, no way. Like how about a hundred dollars, you know? But I knew that if I had to pay them each and I really committed to paying them each $5,000, there was no way in hell I wasn't going to do it. So I said, okay. And then literally, I kid you not, that was, I believe March 12th, I believe. And now what are we in June? I have meditated every single day since that day. One, to avoid $5,000, but two, because it's been so incredible. My business actually has gotten better. I've made more money. I've helped more people, and I've actually been working less. So I really, really want you all to take that away, that it's so important to take care of yourself and not to not take action. It's not about just, oh, everything's going to happen to me, law of attraction. I mean, law of attraction is awesome, but you do have to do stuff. But it is true that if you can, then law of attraction is real. And if you start uh, meditating and actually, you know, really believe that all this, that whatever it is that you want can happen and you stay in that positive mindset, it really will happen. So cheesiness at the end, ladies. Cheesiness uh-huh. for you at the end. Do you meditate it. every day for 20 minutes? Well, I actually, so the way I do it, which is, gives me a nice out, is that typically I meditate for 15 minutes with in silence. And I actually didn't do that for the first couple months. Um, because I just started with like an audio. So like I would listen to Abraham Hicks is really great. If you look her up, like there was a morning nine minute thing I would listen to in the morning. And then at night I listened to this Kelly Howell, um, sleep meditation. It's the easiest meditation in the world. Cause all you do is sleep through it. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so that's my favorite. I listen to that every night and you fall asleep and it's awesome. And then I wake up right at the end. Um, but it's great. And then I do try to do 15 minutes a day, but I I wouldn't say I do that every day. Um, it depends. I probably do it five days a week, just kind of sit in silence. And I'm not, I'm not good at meditating, like meditating. You're not supposed to be thinking like I think the whole time. So it's not even like I'm amazing. It's just that I sit there and try to relax and take care of myself and think about what I want and think about now I think about my baby and think about my career and think about my life. And it's just a good time to 
take care of myself, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. I wish I had that self-discipline. Just put on that. Seriously. Ladies, go look it up. Kelly Howell, sleep meditation. It's 35 minutes. The only problem with it, honestly, because it's on YouTube, that's how I do it. The only problem is it starts and it goes whoosh. Amazing noise, which you can fast forward through. But then you fall asleep and it does it at the end and it's like whoosh. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm up. I'm up. Okay, I got it. But but what's crazy is that my brain now is so used to it that right before that noise comes on, I I wake up and I turn it off. So, um, but you could always probably rip it onto something else, but I would recommend that. I swear to you, my life has improved since I've been listening to it. And that's what it kind of says. Like all these amazing things will happen to you. You know, it's like, okay, cool. I don't have to do anything but listen and sleep. Awesome. It's like the best meditation in the world. Well, apparently the trick is to just tell all of your friends that you owe them an exorbitant amount of money if you bail, and then you'll do it every day. (laughs) Yeah, you need a consequence, whatever that is. But yeah, that was a good one for me. $5,000, and I will personally be responsible for your success. Yeah, just give me $5,000. find you and follow you? Okay, where can you find me and follow me? Let me give you a gift first. I mean, you can find me at robincrane.com, R-O-B-Y-N-C-R-A-N-E, but I want to hook your listeners up. If you've lasted this long, because... This Robin girl is a talker. You don't you know, get her started. She won't stop. It's just too So are we. They know. <laughs> so um, if you go to robincrane.com, there's a secret link, robincrane.com forward slash free book. Every single one of you can get the book as a free download, the whole entire book um, at no charge fee, just a PDF. Um, I just want to give it away because I want everybody who wants it to have it. You can also get it on Amazon. You can pay money for it. That's cool. If you want the actual book, like go pay money for it. It's not that much, but um, amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's it's I'm giving it away and and check it out to be to impress you even more. Um, Once you go on there, there's there's actually a link to get these bonuses. And so I give I've only done two audio chapters so far, but I have the two audio chapters that I've recorded Plus, there's all these templates and guides, and there's some videos. So I just, I'm just kind of like, hey, you really want help? Here, prove it. Here, take it. Now do it. So, yeah, go, go get that. You guys will have it, and then you know, um, you'll find out what's going on when things are going on. So it's pretty awesome. That's amazing. We won't put that link in the show notes, but we will put the Amazon link in the show notes. So that's right. That's right. You have to listen to the end. You know what you should put? Like, listen to the end if you want something awesome. Otherwise, you have to pay some money. You know? I mean, that's like $12. It won't make anyone go broke. Yeah, exactly. You'll make more money from that book. Don't you worry about it. Plus, it's super worth it because obviously Robin is fucking brilliant. So it will change your life. Yes. Can I quote you on that? Fucking brilliant's even better than brilliant. <laughs> yes, you can quote me any day. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Robin. This oh, has been this amazing. Was so good. I hope our listeners enjoy listening to this conversation as much as we enjoy having this conversation. I hope so too. You ladies are so super awesome. Thanks for letting me tell all my fun stories. I can't believe I talked about my bloody my bloody head (laughs) no that's even more inspirational because I do shit like fall and run into things all the time so it's nice to know I'm not alone oh my gosh and my husband by the way had to post it like like Jesus like seriously like anyone want to see something super gory I honey that's not necessary anyway I know we got to go you guys are awesome thanks for having fun with me and thank you so much to all the listeners who are still here and having fun with us. It's just a blast. I love doing this. And I, I, I really appreciate you guys so much. 
Thank you so much. I just can't believe we even got to talk to you. It was so good. Aw, you're sweet. (laughs) Well, when I'm feeling bad, I will call you up when I'm crying and say, make me feel good. Tell me I'm fucking brilliant again, please. Do it. I will answer. Yes. (laughs) I will answer my phone 100%. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Robin. Okay, guys. Breaking news. Also, Austin is getting ready for work, so if you hear noises, that's him. Or Laz, he's scratching on his castle. As always. But anyway, breaking news. Breaking news! Bachelor in motherfucking paradise is coming back on. Malia, turn off your sound. I'm about to! <laughs> I'm trying to look at this article that she says she tagged I me in. up! Okay, so they have closed the case... I will read the official statement. Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay, our internal investigation conducted with the assistance of an outside law firm has now been completed. Out of respect for the privacy interests of those involved, we do not intend to release the videotape of the incident. No fucking shit. We can say, however, that the tape does not support any charge of misconduct by a cast member, nor does the tape show, contrary to many press reports, that the safety of any cast member was ever in jeopardy. The statement continued to reveal that the production on the fourth season will resume with new policies in place to ensure the safety and security of everyone involved in filming. Guys, it's coming back! Yay! I just wonder, are Corinne and um, Demario both going to be here? That's the only thing is, like, I'm... I'm reserving, like, true excitement for until I know that no one was hurt and nothing bad happened. But tentatively, I'm very excited. From what I've read, nothing actually did happen. I think it was a lot of he said, she said. Because the two producers who reported it didn't actually witness it and they hadn't seen the tapes. Mm. And Corinne's statement was that she couldn't remember anything, but, like, she woke up the next morning and people filled her in on what happened. Yeah. And so she, and she even said she wasn't mad at Demario. Like, she doesn't think he did anything wrong. It was the producers who, like, put her in a bad situation or whatever. The only good thing to come out of the situation is we now know without a doubt that the producers make up these love stories for us. Yes. Because, like, Corinne and Demario. It's not scripted, but it's, like, planned. It's, like, plotted. They write out their plot points on a whiteboard somewhere. Because Corinne and Demario only hooked up because they found out that, like, the producers had planned for them to hook up. Well, and the other thing that was crazy was that she apparently was upset because she has a boyfriend in real life. And so she never meant to cheat on her boyfriend. <laughs> what? So she like blamed the producers for her cheating on her boyfriend. And it's like, girl, you don't go on the show. Don't go to paradise have. for a boyfriend. Right. Or like with a boyfriend. Right. You go you there for. You know you're going to cheat. You're drinking. They're shirtless dudes. Well, like the whole point is to, to find, find love. love. I'm using a lot In of a heavy quotes. Place. Ugh, gross. So anyway, I'm excited it's back. But in other news, last night was The Bachelorette. Um, and y'all know that we live tweet. And Always. The Bachelor Religiously. Na- yes. And the Bachelor Nation people live tweet as well. Well, if you remember Lee Block, which you probably don't because Leah. it's Leah. Yeah. That's how much I care. <laughs> um, you probably don't remember her because she, she sucks. She was, yeah, she was a villain for like an episode and then he sent her yeah. home because she was like psycho. But she definitely said that she wants everyone to know she wasn't really a villain. She was just edited that way. Yes. She blames the Whatever. producers for editing her, which they can't edit things you've never said or done. Anyway, That's so, like Elisa's mantra. Yes. She has no sympathy. Ruthless. None. 
But last night she tweeted that her roommate came in the room and was like, OMG, what is this? Love and hip hop? And then, what? and before she could delete it, she deleted it later, but Rachel, aka oh. The Bachelorette, aka Our Queen, tweeted her back and, um, oh, what did she say? It was so good. Oh, what did she say? I didn't see it, so oh, I'm no help. Look it up, guys. Help me out. I'm so behind in Bachelor news as of like 2 p.m. apparently. Well, and last I night. I took screenshots of it. I'll look at my pictures. Okay. But Leah literally is, like, not relevant and is probably just trying to make herself relevant. Oh, oh, this is so good. She said, let me know if she wants to meet Lee. They sound like they would have a lot in common. Hashtag I have time today. If you don't remember, Lee is the guy who had, like, racist tweets. And, um, actually Dean. So you didn't watch last night? No. Okay. Well, Dean. Literally Austin just farted. I can't. (laughs) Um, Dean was being interviewed by one of the producers and was basically trying to call Lee racist and imply that he was picking fights with black guys because he's racist without actually calling him racist. And the producer was like, what do you mean? And he was like, exactly what I just said. So, like, it's going to come out. Nice. Um, But anyway, then she, Leah, Lee, whatever her name is, she deleted the tweet and she, like, went on a rant about how she's not racist, and Rachel replied and said, nah, you just aren't funny. <laughs> Burn. It made my whole entire night. Guys, if you ever find yourself in a position of being like, I'm not racist, like, you are. You just need to look in the mirror and be like, yup. Well, okay, so here's my thing. I don't think, I'm not going to call her a racist or cast the first stone or whatever, because I don't think this was a racist, like, she wasn't maliciously being like, why are black people on the show? She, I mean, there's technically, there's nothing malicious with racism. Like, racism no, is a sociological. Is, I, like, how many people do you know in real life who would stupidly say something out loud like that? Yeah. But you don't tweet it. Yeah. And you don't think it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, I think because she tweeted it, that made it out of line. Like, I don't think she was outwardly trying to be racist. But it was just an insensitive thing to say. Like, it's it's the unconscious thing. Like, it's very much like, sometimes I'll challenge people and be like, well, would you say that about a woman? And that's not me calling you a sexist. That's me trying to show you that society, like, the way we think is kind of sexist. Well, I mean, that's the thing, is it's not that, like, they are a racist. Right, it's they, they hate are racist. So it's the same thing with sexism, and I'll find this link that I'm about to explain to you guys and have Elise put it in the show notes. But essentially, the idea is because we have spent so much time imbuing morality over things like racism and sexism that we can no longer have a conversation because Mm -hmm. you point out that someone is being racist or privileged or sexist, and they all they hear is, I think you're a bad person. And they shut down and they won't interact with you anymore. But really, like Elise said, what you're trying to call out is that there's this whole systemic Mm -hmm. way of thinking and being. And you don't have these thoughts in an isolated bubble. You have these thoughts because you're a part of the society you're in. Mm -hmm. And that's really what they, what you mean. You're like, this is a like racist thing to say. Right. But you're not not saying you are a racist. It's not like saying... I don't know, like, you're a Nazi or a skinhead or something. They're just trying to say, like, you are saying racist things and you should, like, evaluate them. And I think that's why she automatically defended herself and was like, I'm not a racist. Like, I just thought it was funny. But it's like, 
you just you have to think about things. I think that's all we're asking is just think before you tweet. Especially before you tweet. Your social media, it should... Ugh. And especially if you're involved in Bachelor Nation and you have thousands of followers. Yeah. Your, your roommate isn't that funny. No. to break it to you. No, Elise's Bachelor <laughs> Night tweets are way funnier. Guys, go follow Ernst and Live. I'm so funny. <laughs> also follow at Emily's Williams. She wants to say it, but she won't. Yes. Oh, yeah. Other breaking news. Melly Sexo is dead. I have changed my Twitter handle. It is no longer at Melly Sexo. It is at Emily's Williams. There were I am a one too many jokes. Yes. Too many things, like people at the office being like, why is there sex in your Twitter handle? And I was like, there's not. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, it was funny when, like, three of us did it that worked with her really closely. We were like, ha, 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 sex. And then other people started doing it. We're like, you're not funny. Go away. Right. And then, like, CNN tweeted, (laughs) or they, like, had a picture of my tweet. And then um, our creative director posted something that linked to my Twitter. And so I was like, I think it's time to grow up. Oh. R.I.P. It's sad. R.I.P. dead. So what are you loving this week? Other than Robin Crane. Yes. We're, oh, she's great. So, I'm tentatively, tentatively because it doesn't come out until Friday, tentatively loving Glow, Alison Brie's wrestler show, Netflix I saw original. the trailer for this. Um, the trailer's looking really good. I read an interview she did, and so far, like, early critic reviews are really good. I'm planning to watch it this weekend, and I'll let you guys know. Um, maybe in an article, if you're interested enough for me to write an entire article, definitely on my Twitter because I'm opinionated there. Um, but I'm pretty excited. I think it should be really good. It's, so it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's a Netflix okay. original. Genji Cohan is one of the producers, executive producers. She did Weeds and then Orange is the New Black. Okay. Um, That's what people have been comparing it to is Orange yes, is the New Black. They've definitely, I've seen a lot of comparisons there. So like the one of the opening like gags, so to speak, is that Alison Bree's character is a struggling actress. Oh, she's in it? Yeah. I haven't seen her. Yeah. Does she look different? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Okay. So I just thought she was a producer or something. No, she's the main character. Oh wow. So you've okay. definitely seen her. Um, but she's reading for like a cold cold reading or whatever they do in acting land. And she's there. And she deliberately reads the male lines and the script instead of her lines that she's supposed to be reading because she quote doesn't just want to play a secretary end quote and so she throws off this whole thing obviously she like doesn't do well at the reading because she read the wrong part uh that's kind of the theme of the show is like there's this feminist thread to it but it's also part like showbiz satire Mm -hmm. so i'm excited about it yeah if you watch it first, and then I might watch okay. it. That's usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I watch things, like, the day they come out, because I can't help myself, and then I'm like, hey, you should watch this. And then, like, a couple years later, I'll watch it. So what are you loving this oh, week? No shock. I am loving Bachelor in Paradise. That's literally all what? I have. I sat here and thought about this, and I was like, what am I loving? And all I could think about was watching Elise, Raven. Do and you like Bachelor in Paradise? Not really. This is news. <laughs> She's lying. I'm so excited. She lives for it. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's just like I almost feel bad for being so excited, but I don't care. Well, it's one of those like the show. There were definitely problematic things that cast members said around mm-hmm. the show being tentatively canceled and whatever. But yeah, everyone kind of acted like it was just gonna go off. The yeah, air and never come. Back. I totally thought it was never coming. I back. didn't. I had hope the Ugh, whole time. I didn't. I had no faith. I read everything that came out. 
But, like, it's such a campy, cheesier, like, more honest version of the normal Bachelor shows that I, I'm excited. Yeah. It's like my said, fave. Tentatively, but excited nonetheless. I just, I'll be interested to see if Corinne and Demario both come back. Oh, we'll see. Especially after, like, he said his character was assassinated. Like, you know, maybe he'll come back to, like, redeem himself and they'll just, like, not drink as much. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, no I think idea. it'll be an interesting interesting editing challenge for it. Well, they all, producers. like, flew home. So now they're well, going to they have to fly, fly You said they just flew to, like, Houston. That's what I thought, but I, I have no I think they idea. just flew, like, I don't know. Okay, they just put them, like, in a I hotel. think they did, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully they, like, film stuff on their cell phones and they'll do, like, the Kardashians and, like, air some of that footage. You know? I'm so excited. They were definitely, like, Instagram living yeah. and all kinds of stuff while they were on the plane. I want to see how they handle it. So what's your boss moment? <sighs> well, I'm slowly but surely getting the hang of being on video. Um, I'm still not great and my makeup looks a hot mess. She's been upset about this all week. Guys, go watch the video on like how to throw an inexpensive bachelorette party. It's great advice. Like I'm like love the advice. I think it's great content. But I look like a cracked out lemur. You do. (laughs) No, my I I did my eyebrows that day, y'all. I put eyeshadow like brown eyeshadow on my eyebrows, and Malia was like, "Yeah, they look a little red. Yeah, out of control." Like eyeshadow, I've never been a fan of eyeshadow for brows. People swear by it. I'm not about it. I even like rubbed it. Like I got um, toilet paper and rubbed some of it off because it was so intense and it was still bad. And so I mixed. I always wear brown brown eyeshadow. But I have this new eyeshadow palette, and it's like the highlighter at the top. It turned it into like a silver color, so my eyelids look silver. It doesn't look that bad, but if you think it does look that bad... Please, y'all, seriously, if people don't start trolling me, I'm going to start trolling myself. So go on the video, leave mean, hateful comments. I'm like Chrissy Teigen. I like want haters, so I can like... Yes, I thrive on it. It's fun. If you can't laugh at yourself, like... I like laughing at myself before anyone else can. But yeah, so that's my adulting moment. I'm getting better. It is pretty huge. I mean, honestly, like this time last year, and especially two years ago before we had launched her in Spin Live, <laughs> she was like, no, I'm not going to be on camera. What are you no. talking about? Even now, like sometimes I'm just like, oh, Malia can do this video by herself. I don't <laughs> need to be there. Like, I don't love it, but like I'm slowly getting more comfortable with it. Yeah, I think it's good. You're doing a really good job. Thanks. It's definitely, there's nothing like holding... It's like a magnifying mirror up yes. to your personality. Oh, my God. I flare my nostrils so much. My thing is I say um and like a lot. Yes, so now I'm very conscious of it in conversation, and I'm more conscious of it when other people do, and it's it's a thing. I don't it love is it. a thing. So working on that. <laughs> but it's definitely what, What's your adulting moment or boss moment? What is my boss moment? Oh, yeah. I wrote it down. I Guys, did. our outlines are hilarious, if I do say so myself. I, they're pretty great. Um, my note that she was referring to is on the... It's the only thing on the back of the page, so forgive me for not finding it. <laughs> um, but I'm dressing up. I'm using quotation marks there every day this week, so I've got various things going on. Um, like today I had to steam my shirt because it was wrinkly and we were having lunch with the company CEO. Mm -hmm. Uh, yesterday we did a video, so I wore a blazer. 
And um, a dress. And a dress. That's that was, a big deal. I don't wear dresses. That was just for comfort. Dresses are comfy. No, dresses are not comfy. Off they so are. No. Um, tomorrow, I'm technically not dressing up, but I'm working from home. And then Thursday, we have Yay. a networking lunch. And then Friday, I will just dress up because I have now told you guys I'm dressing up every day this week. You're welcome. Also, when she says we, I'm included in all of that. We yes. do the same things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the same schedule. Our, yeah, basically the exact same. If you're ever looking for one of us, just, like, find the other one. Yes. Um, it's, uh, see, there's the um and the uhs. They're um, everywhere. Um. Now that's all you're going to be able to hear. That's my other adulting is I'm working on that shit because it sounds stupid. I'm working on my posture. I've been trying to because in the first two videos we did, I was like, like, Malia's shorter than me and she looked taller than me in the video. And I was like, damn it. I'm shorter, but I got good posture. I'm also like sick and slightly hoarse and I'm still doing this podcast. True. So you were sick first and now I'm sick. We're champs. I was also sick on the last podcast. Well, and this is like even higher stakes because it was an interview. Yes. So it's extra props. Yep. But All right. So, subscribe if you don't already. And go buy Robin's book. It's called Make More Money, Help More People. Like I said, it's going to be in the show notes, so go find that link. And it's great. Mm -hmm. And what else? Oh, rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on YouTube and watch all of the videos that we're in. And count how many times I say um and send me hateful email about it. And go troll us on YouTube. It's so YouTube much trolls fun. are the best. Like I don't know best. how middle schoolers or get Twitter YouTube trolls and we Troll don't have me them. everywhere, literally everywhere. Yeah, it'll be fine. She'll really enjoy and it. And if you don't, I'm literally going to create an anonymous ca- account and troll myself. And except you'll know it, guys. That's so sad. <laughs> we can't let that happen to her. Do your fellow man a favor and uh, <laughs> troll Elise because geez, we can't we can't let it get that far. Yes. But we'll see you next week. Love you. Bye.